three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today I'm so excited for our guest. We have our very own TikTok star, YouTube celebrity, (laughs) Paige. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm so glad we were able to make this work. Why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to the audience, tell us your name, age, where you live, and just a little bit about who you are. My name is Paige Wassel. Uh, I'm 28 years old. I split my time between Chicago and Los Angeles. I'm originally from Chicago, but I work a lot in Los Angeles. And I am a freelance prop stylist, and I style mainly for interior clients. I'm really excited to dive into this. I remember I was like scrolling through your videos and your website, and I was like, I have a lot of questions about how you got (laughs) into this and what your day-to-day entails. But before that, I want to give a little bit of context. So where did you go to college and what did you study? So I went to college at Michigan State University and I majored in communications and public relations, which has nothing to do with what I do now. But I started off working at a few PR firms. I also worked a little bit at William Morris Endeavor, which is a talent agency out in Los Angeles transferred my career to another PR firm called Think PR and quit that to become a freelance prop stylist and it kind of just took off from there. For the people out there who don't know, can you describe what exactly a prop stylist is? So a prop stylist can be very broad in terms of what clients you're working with and what the actual job is. For me, I am a prop stylist for interiors. So a good example would be when you go on to Crate and Barrel's website and you see a couch that you want to order and it's it's set up in this beautiful home or a room, that room is actually styled by a prop stylist. For me, I mainly work on interior rooms, but you can go into so many different areas of prop styling from styling food and beverages to, you know, just product shoots, fashion. You can literally be a prop stylist for any type of photo or any type of product you might purchase online. I think that's a good way of framing it up. And what led to your interest in design? Is this something you've always had a knack for? Were you like, how can I explore ways to build upon this passion. Did you know what a prop stylist was before you became (laughs) one or did you sort of stumble into it? I definitely stumbled into it. Prop styling is, I don't think a lot of people know about this job. It's definitely a very specific niche that you kind of only figure out if you're introduced to it or yeah, if you stumble upon it through connections or introductions. But my interest in design started from when I was really young. I always had an interest in interiors and I thought about going into interior design, but then again, I got scared like a lot of us do when you're going into college. I originally was majoring in apparel and textile design and I got a little scared going into a very creative field and kind of pulled myself back and went into communications and PR. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I just... It wasn't for me and it didn't have that creativity and hands-on process that I was really looking for until later in life when I realized, you know, I need to kind of figure out where I want to go with this. And that entailed with me 
completely switching my career around. <laughs> what was it like starting out in this industry? I can't imagine what it's like trying to get your foot in the door. I know you mentioned it's sort of about who you know, but what was it like and how have you really gained this traction in your career? I mean, freelancing is all about connections and who you know and introductions and recommendations. And it's definitely a process getting started in that. When I first went freelance, I kind of had no idea what I was going to do with that. And I also didn't really know I was going to be a freelance prop stylist exactly. I was kind of dabbling in many different areas of production assistant, which is a really great way to start if you're looking to start in freelance, being a PA on set, it kind of gives you all of the choices and introduces you into all these different areas of where you would want to go in your freelance life. But for me, when I first quit my job at this PR agency, I reached out to a bunch of people that I had connections with. And one of the main ladies that I reached out to, her name is Lauren Howell, and she is a fashion stylist for Vogue magazine. And the reason I had a connection with her was because I actually interned in the PR department for Vogue in New York back when I was a junior in college. So when I went freelance, I kind of took all the connections that I had made throughout my college career and my time living in LA, and I blasted out this massive email saying, hey, I'm freelance, I would love to assist you, I would love to intern for you, I will work for free, I will work for you know a very small amount of money, I just wanna gain the experience, I wanna just know what it's like to be on set. And Lauren Howell just happened to be switching over from Vogue to working as a prop stylist for Architectural Digest. And she emailed me back and she was like, you know, I need an assistant, would love to work with you. And that was kind of my first taste into styling for interiors. Yeah. And then what is it like as far as expenses go? So are you paying for these props? Are these rented? Do you ever get to keep anything off of set? What is it like when you're actually in the designing phase of your job? So it really depends on the client. Some clients have very large budgets. You know, I could be working with a 16 to $20,000 prop budget. So it's never coming out of my pocket. It's always something that I have to manage that the client gives me. There's even shoots, you know, that have a $300 budget, which allows for just bringing in maybe some florals. But the bigger interior shoots, you know, you have these giant budgets. You rent these massive trucks with all these props. It really just kind of depends on the job. And yes, uh, one of the perks of being a prop stylist is after most shoots, there is always something left over that you're going home with, you know, whether it's plants or florals or maybe some food from the food stylist. There's always something that, you know, I love to send my assistants home with or I take home, again, depending on the job of how big or small it is. (laughs) I know you've worked with a lot of different clients. So I guess I want to ask, first of all, who are some of your biggest clients? And then who do you think was the most fun client and maybe not the client themselves, but like the most fun you had on the job? So definitely my favorite client to work with is Architectural Digest, just because we get to go into these amazing homes and kind of style their rooms depending on how they want it set up or how the photographer has their angle. There's so much that goes into these shoots where you're kind of rearranging 
each room for the photo. And one of my favorite ones that I worked on, which you probably saw on my TikTok, was with David Dobrik. We went into his house and, you know, he uh, is an interesting guy to work with because he's so fun, but he's not as into interiors as I am. So it was really a great time to go in there and kind of play around with his house. I brought in a bunch of plants and florals, even some pillows and stools and throws to kind of spice it up a little. And and he was just great to work with and was very interested in the process. So I would definitely say Architectural Digest is, is definitely my favorite client. Paige, I am obsessed <laughs> with David Dobrik in like a way that no 25-year-old should be like <laughs> so cringy. So I definitely think that's really cool. And I know you've gotten to work with a lot of different clients. So how do you mm -hmm. feel like your work differs when you're going from working with these celebrities to working on, I think you've done some commercials and then magazines. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's all the same or do you feel like it's more detailed in one or the other? How does that work? They're all so extremely different. Editorial versus commercial is a whole nother world. Commercial clients, for example, or just home brand clients like Amazon Home or Joybird, who are two of my clients, they have huge productions, you know, that require models, wardrobe stylists, photographers, art directors, you know, you're working with a whole team of people to create a set and a mood and an interior space that is right to sell, you know, their furniture, the Joybird couch, like where does this fit in? Whereas editorial you know you're going into someone's home they've already had it designed they've worked with an interior designer you know you're working directly with the celebrity and what their taste is and again so editorial budgets are usually a lot smaller you're working with a smaller team normally it's just me you know a producer and a photographer when we go into these homes to photograph them the budget is a lot smaller because it's already furnished. Everything's already done. You know, they're like bringing some florals and some branches to kind of, you know, make the space feel more alive because that's something that these celebrities don't always have on an everyday basis, you know, unless you're Jennifer Aniston. And when we went into her home, she already had amazing flower arrangements made by her florist. But um, yeah, they're a completely different world. And sometimes working on the editorial side, it's really fun because you're working with celebrities and these amazing interior designers. But on the other hand, when you're working on the commercial end, you have a little bit more creativity into the set. There's a lot more hands-on and involvement from start to finish. My biggest question on here, which I know like I'm going to have my best friends ask me, so I just have to ask you, is your pay. And I'm not saying <laughs> tell me exactly how much you make, but are you going into every job with a different quota? Do you have an hourly rate? Is it like one big bundle? How does that work? Yeah, so if you work in production, everything's basically based on day rate. So it can really range depending on the client or depending on how much you personally want to charge. So when I first got started, my day rate was a lot smaller than what I charge now. But for example, people who work as PAs or assistants, their day rate ranges from 250 a day to 400 a day usually, but that's without taxes. So when you're freelance, you know, you're getting these nice day rates, but you have to remember that you have to pay taxes every quarter. So you normally want to put aside a certain amount of that money to pay your taxes. So, you know, some people, when they get into this, they're getting 400 a day and they're like, wow, I'm making so much. But then again, you have to remember you have to take out 25 or so percent of that to pay your taxes. 
So that's kind of the rate for an assistant as a prop stylist. As you make your way up to a lead prop stylist, you can make anywhere between 800 to maybe 2000 a day, depending on the client and, and what exactly they're looking for and how long-term of the job is. If they're hiring you for a month long, you normally would pitch out a low, not lower, but somewhere on the lower end of your day rate because you're working with them for such a long time. But if you're working on you know, a week shoot or a two or three day shoot, you can pitch yourself at a higher rate. It really kind of just depends on the client, what their budget is, but that's kind of a general idea of a day rate for a prop stylist and then a prop stylist assistant. When you're going, I know you personally are traveling a lot for this job, probably more pre-pandemic, but are you factoring yeah. that cost into your day rates and they're paying for that? Again, it just kind of depends on how you want to pitch yourself as a person. For me, I used to live in Los Angeles full time. I was there for five years and now I split my time between Los Angeles and Chicago. So I don't really make my clients pay for my travel just because that is my own personal decision to not be based in a particular city. However, if there's a client out in New York that wants to fly me out for the shoot, then I do factor that into my rate or I put a per diem or they give me a rate uh, per day of what I can spend on travel expenses and whatnot. But my own personal decision, I love to travel. I love to work in different cities. So I don't make my clients pay for that travel. If it's a job I want to do and it's paying me well, I will pay for that myself and put myself up or, you know, just kind of depending on the city and where it's taking me. It's kind of all dependent. I think that's fair. I know you mentioned you feel like not a lot of people are familiar with this role. It's probably not mm -hmm. on a lot of people's radar, but it's still highly competitive or do you feel like it's not as competitive as some other roles that may be on set? Right now, I feel like a lot of people don't know what a prop stylist is. So I don't feel like it's this insanely competitive job compared to maybe a photographer per se. But now I think a lot more people are finding out what a prop stylist is and it's getting more competitive. But I will say, if you are good at it, the clients will roll in, you will get recommendations. If you work hard and you have that eye for design or whatever area you decide to go in it within prop styling, if you're hardworking and you're good at the job, you will get recommended and clients will continue to to come in and and then again you might sign with an agency a lot of people don't know that you can actually have an agent as a prop stylist so i'm signed with two different agencies that represent me and they bring me clients as well so once you get yourself going i feel like it kind of the work just keeps getting brought to you to dive a little bit deeper into your day-to-day -day, when you're on let's just say a week-long shoot in this scenario, say like a celebrity or a magazine, what okay. does your average day look like? So how are you going in? Do you have to plan in advance of like, this is what I'm thinking? Are you seeing a blank room or the filled room for the first time when you're walking in the door? Do you already have ideas in mind? Like what goes into the strategy and then the execution of this? There is a lot of prep that goes into these shoots. And again, it's dependent on the shoot. If it's a one-day shoot versus a week shoot, so if it's a week long shoot, usually I have, you know, a week, three days to five days in advance of prep. So what that entails is 
you know, searching for the props that you want to bring in for this particular shoot, managing your budget for the props, hiring a team out if you need people to, you know, lift sofas or, you know, drive a, a truck full of these props, hiring a team out, gathering your team together that is equipped to, to make this job happen collecting all of those props, picking them up, picking them out, getting them approved by the client. Depending on the client, sometimes they want to see, you know, what you're doing. Some some clients just say, hey, you know, you're in charge, run with it. So there's a lot of prep that is involved in these shoots that go into it. And then there's sometimes there's an install day. So depending on the client, like recently I just did a job for a mattress brand. They rented out a home where we were shooting in three rooms. So we went into that home. We took apart those three rooms. We brought a truck of props, restyled the three rooms, set up the mattresses, made all of them into beautiful bedrooms that could be photographed all in a day. Then the next day, you know, we went in for a photo shoot with them. The next day, we went in for a video shoot with them. And then that last day, we had a wrap day where we went in and we took all the props out, packed them all up, put them in our truck, and then reset up the rooms, how they were set up before. So the homeowners, it looked like no one was ever here. And then that next day, we return all of the props to their prop houses. Or if there's anything we didn't use that was purchased from stores, we return that as well. <laughs> so there is a ton of behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know that go into these photo shoots. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure that only scratches the surface on minor jobs alone, let alone a big project. I have Definitely. to ask for my own personal knowledge. <laughs> how well decorated is your home? <laughs> People are always asking that. I just had a client say to me, oh, I bet your bed is just immaculate. And I'm like, you know, I spend so much time on set making these sets look amazing that I wouldn't say that my personal bed looks exactly the same. But because I am, you know, in interiors and I'm really passionate about interiors and you could probably see from my TikTok, I do a lot of home renovations myself in my very, very tiny two-bedroom condo that I purchased here in Chicago. So I would say my home is coming together. I don't think I have enough time to make it as nice as I do for my clients. But, you know, we're getting there and I have a lot more time on my hands now with COVID not being on set as much. So it's coming together. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one paying you to decorate your home. So exactly. I totally, I totally understand that. If you had three decorating do's and don'ts, what would they be? Don't buy everything new. Something that makes a home unique is having those special pieces that you've antiqued or maybe you collected from your grandma or just having those pieces of history or uniqueness in your house, I think is what makes a house a home. The second don't <laughs> would be don't always follow the trends because they can go and pass really quickly. It's important to have timeless pieces and then pieces of what's a trend that can easily be replaced if you were to get sick of it. So I always suggest pillows or maybe small pieces of art or lamps or, you know, smaller pieces that are easy to replace. Another don't that I like to advise is to shy away from art that involves quotes. <laughs> this could just be something personal, but art is so accessible. There's so many cool artists out there that you can find on Instagram, on Etsy. And I say support your local artists and find something a little bit more unique. It's a conversation piece rather than, you know, picking up something that's already pre-framed from your local Target. I mean, it's easy, but 
there's other ways that you can incorporate more unique art into your home. Well, I end every episode talking about pet peeves relative to the subject we've been talking about. So today I think it would be really great if we could end with some pet peeves you have around either being a prop stylist or interior design. I feel like we sort of touched on some of them, goofy blog mm-hmm. quotes, et cetera, but would love to hear any others that you have. One of my biggest pet peeves is someone who is slacking in their work. I've had some great assistants that I've worked with and I was an assistant, you know, for many years as well. And it's really tough to work with people that don't want to be there and don't want to do the work. So I say, if you're going to go for it and you're going to be a freelancer, work hard and put your all into it and your boss will recognize it. It really can make you go far in life. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.